Hello. Hello, Matt. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Matt. For yourself? Yes, very, very well. Thank you. Uh, so welcome to our Man in the Stand golf special that we run every week uh, as a bit of a, a review of the week that was in the world of professional golf and a preview for the events that are coming up. I'm joined by Matt Phillips, uh, a fellow golf uh, punter and tipster, uh, and Matt's uh, Twitter handle is at 4FRE underscore bet. And uh, it's a chance for us to have a bit of a discussion about what's going on in the world of sport and the, uh, the world of golf and in the world of, um, of, of punting on it. So, uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining me. Um, and this is uh, sponsored by Star Sports Bet. Um, and if you want to look at any offers, uh, just look up starsportsbet.co.uk. They have a special this week where there's a tipping challenge and you can have a bit of a look uh, for free and pick some, uh, go on part of their tipping challenge for free and potentially win £200 worth of free bets. So there's some great specials and some good stuff to be had there with Star Sports Bet. Um, Matt, uh, what did you uh, take away from SBC Abu Dhabi Championships and, uh, and the American Express? I mean, frustration in the first bit, I think. Um, from a personal point of view, after a, after a really good start, I struggled to get into the event betting-wise. Um, so wasn't a big earner. Um, but in terms of tips-wise for me, I ended up about even thanks to a, a Rory McIlroy first-round lead. Um, but that aside, I thought it was a brilliant event. I really enjoyed um, the event in Abu Dhabi particularly. Um, I think Sunday was set up to be about as perfect as the European Tour could have hoped for, right? Um, with, with Fleetwood Hatton yeah. and, and McElroy Vine for contention. Yeah, I think you're right, Matt. I think it was a great success for the European Tour to kick off their their calendar year, and um, what a great what a great marquee sort of group to to, to finish it with. Uh, and wasn't Terrell Hatton impressive? He was just just a finisher, wasn't he? I mean, it started. I think uh, the, the bit that did it for me was when he he shouted off the tee. I can't remember it was the par three with water over the back, um, as if he pushed it, um, and it looked like he was potentially going to be out of things, and it, it just drew in and landed about fifteen feet from the pin. Um, and from that point forward, he was just so just clinical in the way he managed himself around the course, and it made it made Rory particularly and a couple of the ones chasing Fleetwood too just play attacking golf that that in the end cost them um sort of chances and made them make silly mistakes which which Hatton just didn't do um but yeah he's an incredibly impressive golfer these days he really is he's um uh, he's just in the zone at the moment and he has been for the last few months uh on the last day he played six under uh, to yeah. win by four strokes on 18 under uh Rory McIlroy must look back at that and and say to himself what the hell just happened there? Because um, he was leading on the final morning. Uh, he played really solidly in the third round and and you would have liked his chances. But uh, once again, uh, he just sort of stumbles on the final day. But I'm not sure that really could you can blame McElroy too much for what was a pretty rampant um, display by Hatton on the final day. But you've got to say, once again, uh, you know, Rory's, uh, you know, let one slip there. What What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's, I uh, called it on on Sunday morning. I, to be honest, it wasn't that I fancied Hatton. I just didn't like Rory that much. So I actually laid him just short of evens on Sunday morning, which turned out yeah. quite profitable. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of Rory, there's a there's a lot you can take away from it in that he played really well. Um, but if you'd have told him that 
yeah, obviously he finished the first round on eight under par and he's finished on 13 under. I think he'd be disappointed in himself given how beautifully he struck it that first day. Um, even though that was in the best of conditions, you'd think he'd have backed himself after that round to, to finish lower than 13. I think in terms of the Sunday, he could have played a lot better than he actually did and still not won. So he's nothing lost in that regard. I think it's just got to take your hat off to, to Tyrrell in that in that sense. Maybe it was the, uh, the European Tour video um, as galvanised yeah. towards that victory, perhaps. Took away a bit of the angry golfer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was brilliant there. And I see even Matt Wallace, who's also been known as a bit of an angry golfer in his time, uh, kind of got on board with that with a, with a bit of a couple of misputts and a thumbs up with a couple of, um, of misputts, whereas <laughs> he, um, in the past, um, bad Matt would have come out to play a little bit. Um, so maybe it's going to, yeah, as I say, what started the others, a bit of a joke might actually might actually help some of these guys. What do you think about Terrell Hatton um, backing it right up again in Dubai? This week, it'd be tricky to bet against him, wouldn't it? Um, I wouldn't be laying him, that's for sure. But, I mean, it's, it's halved in price pretty much. He went off at 14, 16 in Abu Dhabi. He's now about best price, 13 to yeah. 2. Um, and I mean, it would surprise no one if he if he lapped the field again. Um, he's just hitting it so well. Uh, but at the price, I think you can afford to not be on him and he adds a bit of value elsewhere. Um, but that said... Um, similar to last week, I've taken quite a short one for first round leader. Um, so I've taken Tyrrell to go first round leader. I actually backed him at 19s on Betfair, but um, on the high street, he's 16 to 1 uh, best price. He goes off nice and early in the morning. Um, despite, I didn't know this until I listened to a podcast of Dave Tindall's, I think. Um, and the conditions actually look better for scoring in the afternoon. But there's something in me that can't back a first round leader that's not out early doors. So my my crowd for the first round lead still go out early and Tyrrell sort of leading the line for me, I think. Yeah, I lived in Dubai for 10 years. So I know Dubai's conditions very, very well for golfing. And as much as they say that it will be better scoring conditions in the afternoon, I'm, I think you were right in what you did because I can tell you for free that every morning is calm in Dubai and it, when, if there's any wind, it always kicks up in the afternoon because that's the kind of, geological conditions and uh, meteorological conditions in Dubai. Uh, it's a coastal city uh, and the offshore winds mm -hmm. always kick up um, uh, at about one o'clock in the afternoon. So I think you're right. I think you're better to go early doors with a first round leader. Um, as for uh, and the reason mm -hmm. I ask you about you know, can Terrell Hatton do it again is, yeah, I, I, I'm very interested to see what the market thinks of him as you say he's he's way short too short for me i i mean i wish him all the best but i can't take him at, at the prices he's been quoted so um I'll, i'm going to be very interested spectator on terrell hatton i i, I absolutely mm -hmm. um i'm with you i couldn't lay him I, I i there's no reason why he couldn't do it again because he's in such a rich vein of, of form um and yeah i I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go back to my old mate Bern Wiesberger again. I'm just gonna play with a dabble with him a little bit, and I'm gonna go with Rasmus Hogard, this young um, gun Dane that uh, I, I I've got big raps on him. I think he, he did really well in the first in his first couple of seasons. I think he's um, he's he's a big a big talent. And he's pray. Um, I I got him at something like seventies uh, or eighties to one. I think. I mean, which to me is crazy. So um, I'm. I think that's really good each way value for for Hogard. So I'm going to have a dabble on him, but I'm not going to get too heavily involved in the in the Dubai Desert Classic. I'm just going to play those couple and um and and keep my powder dry for um for Tory Pines. 
Um, now, in saying that, uh, one guy that is going from Abu Dhabi to Torrey Pines is Roy McIlroy. So, uh, and there's um, McIlroy Carr was coming back from America to Dubai. Now, that's that's a big trip from the west coast of America to the Middle East. That's a huge trip. So, how do you think McIlroy will will kind of cope on 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 that journey? I mean, they're all very experienced at that kind of thing, and they fly obviously private, so it's not like this. It's a terrible drudgery for them, but still, that's a your body clock is your body clock, and that's a very long flight. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's 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 interesting um, as to to what they've they've done to the prices. Both both Morikawa going over to. Um, to Dubai and then Rory, Rory McIlroy going the other way. Um, I think Rory's a brilliant fit for the farmers um, in terms of the makeup of his game. Obviously, he drives it long. Um, and hope, you never know that working on the Poa Greens might help his putting a little bit, which sort of left him over the weekend in, in Abu yeah. Dhabi. Um, but I wouldn't have him at the price still. Um, he's short enough to leave alone. Um, I think if you'd have told me after Thursday, maybe you'd give me eight to one of the snap to your hand off for Rory at, um, at Torrey. But I just were not that keen on the top of the market there. Um, Ram the same, obviously a couple of points shorter, um, but um, obviously withdrew with a potential back injury last week and there's the equipment change. He's moved to Callaway recently yeah. um, and he's taken some new clubs. Um, so although, I mean, he, he makes up brilliantly at his first win at the Farmers, didn't he? And he's he's an excellent golfer. He's elite, but I think there's enough doubt there to, to leave it alone at the, the price that short. Um, I'm also surprised how short Morikawa is in, in Dubai. Um, and it's a really interesting market, actually, Dubai, because obviously Rory's left, but apart from that, virtually everyone has stayed. Um, and you've got the additions of of Morikawa and then Casey, who played at the Amex last week too. Yeah. Um, but obviously Tyrrell's halved in price despite that. So I think there is value elsewhere. And kind of, I've gone for the opposite than yourself. I could not narrow down my long list for mm. Dubai. Um, so I've kind of over-invested myself, really. I'm backing myself to have a good week, I think. Otherwise, I might be chasing come Sunday. So um, so before we just sort of go over to America and look back at the um, at the Amex, um, uh, before we do that, let's just finish off. What, anyone of note that you're kind of pulling a ring around for, for Dubai uh, based on what you've just said? Yeah, so there's a few I like who had promising performances um, in, in Abu Dhabi that... I just couldn't discern between. So I'm going to be with you on Wiesberger this week. Um, I think he's due one. I was looking at some stats, and although he's missed the cut both times he's played um, at this course, um, he actually has some good performances in the Middle East. Um, he was T8 and T30 before Christmas. Yeah. Um, so he's got some form in the desert. Um, and I noticed he didn't win at all last year. But I think he's just a class player. And I think at the price, it doesn't make that much sense to me that he's he's much longer than than some of the other names. Yeah. Um, that said, there's quite a few around that mark. I liked McIntyre um, last week. He impressed me. Um, he got, he was T8 here last year too. And he was, I thought it was quite a nice first run out of the year. Um, he finished well over the weekend in Abu Dhabi. Um, so I've taken McIntyre at 30s. I got Wiesberger at 40s, 45s, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then I've got a couple of longer ones. Um, so Kawamura, um, who is 200 to 1, which surprised me, to be honest. Um, he was 23rd here last year. Yeah. Um, and was also second in Cyprus when it got windy. So I'm thinking if the wind does get up, you never know, that might be a, a decent line as well as playing well at the Alfred Dunhill. And I just think for the price, he's worth a couple of quid um, at 200s. Um, I've also had some pennies on Eddie Pepperell just because I couldn't believe he was 250 or one. He was one of those that if you back him every time he gets to that price, he won't go far wrong. Yeah. Um, 
He started in the worst of the conditions last week, um, Thursday afternoon. Actually, was really he got about three or four under on Thursday and was hitting it quite well. Um, faded over the weekend and wasn't quite as good. And we know that he's in a bit of a in a bit of a rut in terms of his performances at the minute. But I think his ceiling is is far far higher than than his odds suggest. So I'm willing to take a chance. Um, and at the risk of overdoing it, I've also taken uh, a bit of Jason Scrivener, who you'll probably notice flying up the leaderboard on Sunday. Yeah, Tide finished uh, second. Uh, great great result in Abu Dhabi, wasn't it? Yeah, unbelievable. I think he shot 29 on the back nine, wow. um, which is just electric. Uh, so he's 66s, um, and he actually he's finished top 10 here the last two times he's played it, um, the last couple of years, T7 and a T6, um, which I, I quite like, really. Um, sorry, no, he finished in seven and T6. Great shot. What did you say he was? 60, 66s. 66s. Um, but I tell you a lie, he was 58th last year, but 2019-18, he was T7, T6. Well, that sounds... Like some good spotting to me. That sounds like some really good value for Jason Scrivener. So, uh, if you are looking for a bit of value, listeners, that could be a, a really good shout. The performance and I would, um, Dubois obviously stand good. He, he absolutely tore it up on in the in, on the Sunday at Abu Dhabi to finish second um, behind uh, Terrell Hatton and, and 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 go you know finish a shot ahead of Rory McIlroy. So Jason Scrivener mm-hmm. could be the value there, people. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for a confident golfer, isn't there? Yeah, that's right. And, and I'm all about guys and confidence, and, and uh, that's a big factor for me whenever I make my tips, um, sorry, my selections. I always look for um, form and confidence because, uh, it, you know, it's it's a it's a, a rare and fleeting thing. And when these guys seem to be in it, um, you've got to grab a hold of them and keep a hold of them because it can go just as soon as it's come. Um, so... Let's talk about the American Express in La Quinta. Uh, great finish, uh, really exciting. Um, uh, Siwoo Kim, um, who was started the tournament 60 to 1, finished on 23 under, um, uh, closely followed um, by Patrick Cantlay, who absolutely tore it up to do a final round 61 uh, and finish on 22 under. And he just basically was just a few holes ahead of Kim and really just ran out of golf course. Um, otherwise, I think it would have been a playoff if it wasn't for Siwoo Kim and a, and a very composed finish. Um, he's he's class, that Siwoo Kim. Uh, and then my, my tip, um, Cameron Davis, who finished third alone at, at 70 to 1, which I was thrilled with. Um, and I talking about players in form, that's a guy who I've been watching in form late, late last year. I, I, I thought he played well in the beginning uh, this year as well in, in, in Hawaii at Sony Open. I thought, let's, have a, let's invest and go on him, and, uh, and he did well. Actually, I'm a little bit disappointed in him in a way because I think he blew a beautiful opportunity to maybe be in a playoff um, with Siwoo Kim when he was on the 16th hole. He drove the fairway, um, it was, um, it was a par 5 16th. All he had to do really was put it on the green and he had a, yeah. a, you know, a chance at eagle um, and, 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 and almost a certain chance at birdie. But he um, had an unforced error, drove it into that enormous greenside bunker on 16 um, and lipped out, uh, tried to get as close as he could, got to the fringe and then lipped out his birdie putt and had to settle for par. And that was kind of that for Cameron Davis, unfortunately, for his chances to win it. But as I say, I'm, I'm, I was really happy with him. Um, what did, what was your sort of takeaways from, from the tournament, Matt? Yeah, I mean, firstly, congratulations on, on the Davis pick. I think uh, we chatted about it last week, obviously, and it yeah, turned out it was a great show. I was 
thinking of it, yeah, when he was in the fairway at 16, I think it was a golden opportunity for him. Um, yeah. Obviously, Siwoo went, ran on late, didn't he? And then won by, by one yeah. Cantley, who was also on fire. But I think if that if that goes in or he makes the green and has a chance, yeah, you never know how that turns out, do you? Um, no. but, so well done for that, I think. But in terms of my takeaways, I, I was sort of sad for Tony Fee now for most of the round. I think circumstances oh. Oh, fire again for man, don't they? Oh. Uh, Ultimately, any tournament of the year, I guess, nine times out of ten, you can shoot four under when leading on before Sunday and not be far away, right? And in the end, he's lost by four. Um, minus four was never going to get it done at the Amex, I don't think, with the packed leaderboard. And obviously, when Cantley's shooting 11 under, um, having made the cut on the number, it's it's never going to get it done. But I just feel bad for him. It just looks like he's devoid of confidence on a Sunday. Oh, Started off on, did you see that one, mate, mate? Did you see that one? I can't remember which hole it was. It was towards, I think it was towards the end, uh, but it was still, he was still in the reckoning. He was it was it was on the back nine somewhere. Maybe it was on ten or eleven or something like that. Yeah, but he, he knocked one over water. Yeah, when he, when he missed then, that, uh, yeah, yeah, he knocked yeah. one in the water, which was just like oh, Tony. But he still had time. And then he'd missed a three footer or the three, maybe a three, maybe a, maybe a four, three and a half, four footer. Um, and he missed it. And he, and I just threw up my head at that stage, actually tweeted out. I just said, Oh, Tony, because you can't miss those, do you know? Um, and that's where, he, I mean, this is Tony's putting coming back to haunt him. And he looked so much better with the putter across the first three days. He did. Where, um, and, and I thought, this is it. This is it. He's going to do it. This is the time Tony's going to do it. Yeah. And I was really happy for him because I thought, good, not, you wouldn't meet many nicer guys than this guy in, in the professional game. He's a lovely bloke, very unassuming, very quiet. Um, I love his backstory as well, the way that his father was an airport baggage handler in, in, yeah. uh, in Los Angeles and, uh, and, and he basically put a mattress up in this, um, in this garage because him and his brothers, you know, and his family couldn't afford to go and play at the golf courses. So they they basically played in the in the garage, smashing uh, irons and golf balls into into mattresses, which is a lovely story. Um, and the and the guy is just such an athlete, and you can hit it for such a long way, considering that like almost well, you wouldn't even call it a half swing he's got, um, and uh, absolutely peels it down the um, uh, fairway. He's he's great to watch. I really desperately wanted him to win and to see him just start buckling again on the Sunday with the putter in his hand kind of broke my heart a little bit, mate, to be honest. Yeah, you know? I mean, with, with no no skin in the game, really, for the winner on, on Sunday, I was I was rooting for Tony, I really was. But, I mean, he, he tends to make pars on par fives early on the back nine, or sorry, early on the front nine on Sunday, and he just can't afford to do that unless he's at a really tricky course. And the putts that he was rolling in just weren't happening. And I think he parred the, the fourth or the fifth, and he just looked deflated from the start. Um, I mean, it's it's tough, isn't it? I think he needs to perhaps get his first win in a in a tougher event where he can he can play all right on Sunday and still get the win. Because um, it's not that he plays terribly; he sort of just often he's gaining strokes on the field, but just sort of shooting field average or just above. And unfortunately, he, he's run into a couple of good ones with with Webb Simpson last year at, at Phoenix, who sort of flew down last couple of furlongs, if you will. Um, and obviously, yeah. Cantley and see we were shooting eight under, 11 under. It's kind of circumstances conspire, but there's only so many times you can say it's bad luck. Eventually, he's got to start finishing. 
Yeah, the, the, you, you hit it on the head, I think, there, Matt, when you said that he finishes kind of course average uh, or field average on, on the sort of like the generally on the fourth day and the third, maybe sometimes on the third day. And like, as you say, Kim finishing eight under, Cantley finishing 11 under, Cameron Davis finishing eight under. This is what you've got to do on the Sunday uh, on these tournaments where they're scorable courses like uh, like Quilla Quinta is. And, uh, and, and, and Tony just doesn't seem to do that on the Sunday. It seems to be a mental block. Um, and is, I don't know what he's going to do about it uh, because he, he's you know he hired Brad Faxon to help him with his putting. That's obviously helping, and and I hope he stays with it. But there's something in that grey matter upstairs in, the, in between his ears that he needs to he needs to get some sort of killer instinct on and and maybe get a little bit more edge to him because he's I think he just. I don't know. He he's a bit too nice. Yeah, he needs to, you know. If you listen to his interviews afterwards, obviously, I think Tony he knows it's a thing, um, and he, he's very aware of the the people's perception of him. Um, and I think, born from that, he, he always comes out and wants to be positive, and he'll always sort of say that he's had a good week and there's lots to learn, and he never quite admits actually that wasn't good enough. I'm frustrated with it, and I need to go away and do something about it. And I think, yeah, the lack of that. I could never imagine Patrick Reed, for example. People don't like him, but he's never going to come out and say, oh, actually, I've lost, but I've had a good week. I'm happy. So if he needs yeah. more, but actually, I'm not happy. I haven't won. Like, this is what I'm here to do. And I mean, far be it from me to deny him all his top tens and the mountains of money he's got in his bank. But it doesn't seem... Yeah, you wouldn't mind being his bank manager, would you? <laughs> not, I mean, at all, he, not at all. No, he, he's... I mean, you'd be his manager in a heartbeat. He's 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 done very well financially, but, you know, we, we all know that he... He's aching for that win, and I and I think a lot of the golfing world wants it for him just as badly. I think you know we all kind of want it for him um, to say to get the monkey off his back and say, "Well done, mate." Now push on. You know you can look at he's been so close in in, in the Masters. He's been close at um, the Open. He's you know he's 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 quality, and I, I hope he, he breaks it. But uh, but and then so let's look and conversely look at Siwoo Kim. How cool was that? Eh? How how I mean. Look at Cantlay charging like a you know uh, coming down the, uh, the the straight like a with a wet sail yeah. and and see Kim knowing that by seeing those leaderboards and seeing po- Cantley post a sixty one and and he's just too cool for school Siwoo Kim isn't he Yeah and yeah, in, incredibly impressive Siwoo Kim you'd think that what Cantley did would have more of an effect but it just never seemed to bother him at all did it he just no it no what I like about him yeah, you look- is his irons are just on fire and he never leaves really any chance for him to drop shots and he kind of just drills like 15 feet 10 feet just solid solid approach player that set up his win really yeah yeah okay so let's look at the farmers insurance open from Tory pines in san diego um this is a a, a two course um setup so they play in the north course and the south course uh over the thursday and the friday uh, and then the uh, the more difficult South Course on the Saturday and Sunday, uh, and this is actually interesting because this will be the the South Course will be the venue for the U.S. Open later in the year. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, yeah. is that is that that's, yeah, that's correct. So that's a good that's going to be a good pointer for all of us sort of um, form uh, pundits to look at who plays this course well uh, and and how it sort of goes. Obviously, it'll be a little bit different time of year. But it's still, um, a, you know, a good pointer for for later in the year for maybe for for open um, anti post bets. Um, so let's have a look at who we like. Uh, I'll I'll start. Um, I am 
it's actually something you said to me uh, early uh, last week and something also uh, a guy called Mike Miller, another pundit, said mm-hmm. to me, um, you both mentioned Mark Leishman's name. Yeah. I, um, I l- agree with you. And I, I think Mark Leishman is, is, is uh, due here because he won here last year. He's, he's obviously been targeting this tournament to, to do well at again. He's had a few looseners um, in Hawaii and uh, a bit of a loosener in Hawaii. And I think he is really ramping up for this particular tournament. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to take him as well. So Mark Leishman for me, um, Cameron Davis, I'm going to stay on my Cameron Davis also. I'm going to back two Aussies, which for a Kiwi is not easy to do, <laughs> but I'm going to look, um, I'm going to look at him again because I'm going to back him again because I think I'm going to go with my form thing. I'm going to. I, I made a promise to myself early this uh, beginning of this year, in the first write-up I did for the year, where I said, if I'm on a golfer and he's in form, I'm not going to change horses. I'm going to stick with him in, until the end. You know, so I'm going to. I'm going to go with Davis again because he owes me nothing for the year. Um, Xander Schauffele, I'm going to pick as my one of my shorter um, shorter guys because I'm. I, I just think uh, he's San Diego born and bred. He knows the course. He knows the countryside. He knows the, um, you know, uh, the, the, the the coastal sort of playing conditions. And wind will be a big factor here. We all know that. And my my big long odds um, pick for the week is um, Tom Hoagie, who's a name along with Cameron Davis that I had a ring around at the beginning of the year. I really like this guy. I thought he performed with distinction in a lot of tournaments last year. He's a young up-and-comer like Davis. He's, as I say, he's on my watch list for young up-and-comers. Mm-hmm. And he finished fifth here last year alone. Um, so he's, he's got form here. And 150 to 1 for me is beautiful money. I'll take that all day long. So those are my four. Who, who do you Yeah, like? so I mean, before we run, yeah, I really like Hoagie too. He's, a, he's one I've got a top 20 bet on. I was actually on him when he was fifth last year because um, previous to that, he had oh, a 12th and he was, a, he was 125 to 1 last year. It was a decent place payout. But I like him, but I had a quandary this week because I was trying to think, who can actually win this tournament? And if I don't think they can win it, I'm going to stick them on a tip, top 20 instead of outrights. And for me, I'm just not sure with the amount of elite players here that he can actually win, but it wouldn't surprise me if he performed really well. Um, so, yeah, I like Tom Hoagie. Um, in terms of yeah. following golfers that you have good memories of, I'm with you on that too. Um, I've started with Harris English, um, which he's a shorter price than I'd normally like to back Harris English at, but he's just in such good form. He is flushing his irons. He's playing so well. Um, and I kind of annoyed myself with that because I set out looking at Torrey, looking for driving distance as my first metric and then sort of go into scrambling, approach play and put him from there. And he actually doesn't drive it that long. He's about 100, 100-ish on tour, so he's very much middling, um, but he's an excellent scrambler. Um, he was fourth at the US Open. Um, earlier last year, um, which su- should suggest that he's going to do quite well with narrow fairways and approaches from the rough. Um, and he's got some great form here, not necessarily last year, um, but he's had an eighth and a second here before losing in a playoff to John Rahm, I think. Um, I think it was John Rahm, I can't remember exactly. Um, but yeah, he's got excellent form here. Um, I've also then gone for Patrick Reed um, because I just think he's great at tough courses. Um, he's got some nice form here previously, 6th, 13th, 23rd in the last couple of years. Obviously, you know what, what Patrick yeah. Reed's like around the greens. He's probably the, the best at getting up and down in world golf, perhaps. Um, and yeah. when he gets the putter going, he can really go low. And Leishman's performance last year um, caught my eye because he, he put it ridiculously well on Saturday and Sunday. So it's possible if you can keep in the game around the greens that your putter can, can really drive you to victory here. 
Um, longer odd ones, I've taken Gary Woodland, similar to Leishman. Um, this year, I mentioned him on here last week, I think, um, and he had a great performance. Obviously, yeah. he's changed his equipment. Um, he's got a Cobra driver, I think, he put in his bag, um, and he gained three, four strokes off the tee. And considering when he was losing five or six every tournament he played last year, that's an enormous transformation. So it's it's really interesting. And I actually backed him for a couple of majors on the back of that um, performance this week. And I know it's fledgling form, but if it continues, he could look a very, very big price at 70 to 1. Um, so he's ninth in driving distance. Um, he is 10th in approach play. And although there's limited rounds this year, he's also got form here. 9th, 12th, 20th, 18th. If we can forgive him his miscut last year, if we roll that into the, the bad form and hope his equipment change sort of supersedes that. Um, another one who was great at the US Open last year was Will Zalatoris. Um, and he's kind of like my... My Sammy Valamaki, the PGA Tour, um, I don't think he's caught up with himself yet. I had him backed him at 250s for the US Open, so he, he doesn't owe me anything. Um, but I just think he's he's excellent. He drives it long. And although he's not got the course form here that I tried to stick to largely, I just think he's, he's a great price at 66s. And he won't be those sorts of prices for long um, if he maintains his current, if his current tangent. Um, longer odds ones, the ones who I quite liked, but I didn't think could actually win, um, are Doug Gim and... Um, John Hur. So John Hur last week was a major source of frustration. Um, he hit it beautifully. He was in the top 10 um, strokes gained Tita Green at the Amex, but just could not buy a putt. He started Sunday, I think 10th or 11th, got up to T5th and then just lost his putter entirely, losing on the greens, which at a tournament like can't afford to do. But what that does tell me is that I wasn't wrong about him. He's hitting it beautifully just needs to find a couple of putts. So I've took him at nine to two and Doug Gim, who was really, really good at the Amex, finished T5th in the end is 11 to two for a top 20. Um, again, he's uh, middle in, in driving distance, but for the other metrics I look at with scrambling, he's top 20 on tour, approach plays top 20 on tour. Um, and he's also got a T20 here in 2019. Um, so although I don't think he can win, I think 11 to two is a knocking bet for a top 20. Yeah, I think Doug, Doug Gim was a real revelation to me last week. Uh, uh, Mike Miller actually, uh, another pundit said uh, that he he had him as a, I think he had him at two hundred what two hundred to one last week or better, I think. And uh, and so he was he was excellent. I have to say, Doug Gim and I and and that's that's kind of put him up on my radar actually as someone to to keep an eye on uh, because he did play. Very, I was what I saw of Doug Gim in the weekend at the Amex. I was very mm. impressed. Um, it's interesting what you say about Gary Woodland. I read a really interesting article uh, where he, in the, after the round, um, admitted to uh, the journalist that he could have cried with relief. And that was his quote. He said, I was so happy to be pain-free after this this week, I could have cried with relief. Because apparently uh, what the major source of Woodland's problems has, has been has been a, um, some, some hip problems. So he's had to have cortisol... Um, uh, um, injections for pain relief um, that obviously wasn't working. He was still feeling pain. He was still feeling restriction in his movement. Um, he took the obviously the Christmas and New Year's off to try and um, and, and took a complete break away from the game to try and uh, rejuvenate and regenerate and, and get this pain um, away from him in terms of not to, to be able to not play with pain. And that round or that, that weekend at the Amex is the first weekend he said he's been able to, or first round of golf, he's been able to play pain-free for four days. And he said, I was so happy after the first round I could have cried because I realised, okay, I'm, I'm 
away from you know I'm I may be able to get through three more days without pain, which he said he could. So that's great for Gary Woodland because um, you know that's uh, he's you know this is a course as you say that would suit his game. He's um, his quality. We all know that. And if he and if that's been the source of his problems and frustrations, and he's and he said he's getting over it or past it now, well. Well, great. That's great news, and that could be a very good yeah, start. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, th- I think um, uh, for the same reason as you say, Rams are a watch this week because because of the injury he seems to have sustained in in training or or in, in practice, uh, you know, la- or last week, which made him pull out of the Amex. Yeah. He says he's over it, um, and 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 I would. I hope he is, uh, and then the uh, and the and the equipment change, as you say, is an, an interesting um, look at for for Ram as well. What sort of um, stock do you place or or caution do you place on golfers who make equipment changes? It's it's tricky. I guess it depends whether I fancy him on any given week. Um, obviously, there's the horror stories of Rose to Honma and that nightmare. But I mean, largely, I think you've got to think there's probably very little yeah. nuance between different equipment at this point. Um, I have a bit of a, a bit of a suck of a summer with a new driver. I don't know why. I always think more positively about a new driver in terms of correcting errors than anything else. Uh, but I will usually yeah. give it a watching brief, um, depending on who it is. If they're on my long list and I'm trying to make a decision between a couple, often I will give it a watching brief if they've recently changed equipment or or there's been inconsistency with with what equipment they're using. But that said, I mean, if I fancy them, it's not yeah. going to stop me from backing them. But it will be, it's a thought, isn't it? Something else to consider and maybe build into what price you actually think they should be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to take Ram this week because I want to watch him and I just can't take him at this price. But I'm really watching him for a major this year. I I, I think he's, it's t- his time. Uh, he's he's mature enough. He's really, he's, he's you know, uh, I think the only one that's going to beat John Ram is, yeah. is John Ram. So uh, I, I'm really um, interested to watch him this week for, um, perhaps the revisit to Tory Pines later in the year for the for the US Open. I think he, he could be a, a, a could be a very good bet for that. So, uh, with that being said, uh, Matt, no, yeah, just on the, the topic of um, Ram and the, the US Open, it, it surprised me that Dustin's not in the field this week. I think obviously it's because the Saudi Saudi Open they're paying him Deschambeau and all of others an extortionate That's amount right. of money. But like you say. US Open, although yeah. it's not quite the same conditions, it's not going to be as tough. It, it has surprised me that they've not sort of come no. to see what it's like. Um, because I think on form and at their best at the moment, I think there's probably only Dustin who could who could trump Ram if they both perform to what they can. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting um uh, concept, but I don't think DJ cares too much. He's and I mean. I, I can. The mind boggles at what these guys are being paid to come over and <laughs> yeah. play around the golf in Saudi Arabia. So, I mean, it's not like he needs the money, but um, I, I don't know what 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 motivates these guys and what doesn't. So, um, Dustin obviously feels good enough to, about his game that he, you know, he thinks he can rock up to the US Open and Torrey Pines and win later in the year. And who's to say he can't? Because if he's in, if he's in the same sort of form he was in the last year. Who's going to stop that guy? He he could be he could have a monster twelve yeah. to twenty four months, um, so you know and and, uh, and that could be very very possible. Um, all right, well look, thanks Matt, thanks for joining us again. I really appreciate your time. You're great to talk to. I love your insights and uh, and let's um, you know let's if you're okay with it, let's um, catch up again next week and see how we fared and um, 
and all the best to you and and thanks to everyone um who listens and uh, and and good luck with this sport. yeah like have a good week good luck with all the right. rats and i'll yeah catch up next week thanks man. thanks